morning. A couple things as we get started. If you are new, uh, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. Uh, there are sermon notes. They're just half sheets instead of full sheets like normal, but they're on all the communion tables throughout the room. If you do have a smartphone, you can download an app. It's called YouVersion. You click on Live and YouVersion, and up will come uh, the sermon notes and the verses and all that stuff that goes along with that. Uh, so happy Mother's Day to all of you moms and all of you want to be moms and all you wish you were moms and all the moms that have kicked kids out of the house and ready to go with all that. I'll, I'll tell you, I did a major faux pas this morning. On Friday, I took my mom out to lunch, uh, but this morning I, I had this card. It's in a pink envelope and everything says mom and it's sitting in front of my computer at my house. I totally forgot to bring it. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm a terrible son. I'm a terrible son. But maybe I'll just run home during the service and grab it and bring it back. But, and it was a funny card, too. I think you'd really enjoy it. But. <laughs> it was the most wonderful card that was ever purchased. That, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, apparently. Um, what we are doing is, uh, as part of a thing with moms, we're trying to announce this today, is that we have one of the GCs at Element, and they want to uh, help moms get a little time off, a little day out. And so on June 3rd, after service, they're going to go take some moms to go get some pedicures. They're awesome, by the way. I have had a few. It's very manly when I get them. Uh, anyway, uh, what will happen after that is you'll get pedicures, and they're going to take you actually over to, to my house after it's over, and hopefully the dads will be there and, and cooking for you and you know making your food, taking care of the kids. The kids can swim in the pool. There will be lifeguarding, hopefully. Uh, the cost for this is 20 bucks, and that's going to cover the pedicures. Uh, but we only have space for the first 20 people that sign up. So if you're a mom and you want to go, great service to be in because it's the first time we're putting the sign-ups in the back is a service. So if you want to do that, first 20 after that waiting list. And we know how we all feel about the waiting list. Uh, Tuesday night, women's Bible studies are starting back up. See, it's all, you know, women's stuff this morning here. Uh, women's Bible studies starting back up. They're doing a book called Trusting God Even When Life Hurts, which is always very important. Uh, it's 6.30 to 8 o'clock. If, if you, uh, you sign up in the back, if you don't feel like I want to go in there with the crowd and sign up in the back, on the bottom of your half sheet on your Mother's Day notes. If you have a QR reader in your smartphone, you can scan that, and it'll bring you up to a place where you can sign up for that women's Bible study right there as well. Uh, this is open to all women at Element who want to study God's Word together, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday nights. And just for you guys, so we don't leave you out, we, are, we do have a men's event coming up on June 16th. It's 40 bucks a person, but we're going kayaking in the ocean. And last time we just had a lot of people come, uh, so sign up early so we know how many spots to get, but it's 40 bucks a person for a kayak, and that includes the guide and all the gear that goes along with that. All right, so since it is Mother's Day, and I only have so many Mother's Day sermons I can come up with and still sound creative, uh, usually on Mother's Day I try and get you guys a special guest speaker. Uh, this morning's no different. Uh, the person that's going to talk to you this morning, I love him to death. I think he's awesome. He actually let me tattoo him once. It was, seriously, it, it's quite awesome. Anyway, he's been through a lot of stuff in his life, and I think he's got a great message to give you, but I'm going to warn you, he is way different than me. Way, if, if I'm like here, he's like, what? Over here, so. This is Saving Brock. Thank you. Morning. That's a good good morning. Good morning. That's what I like to hear. 
So uh, my name's Sabin. I attend first service here. Uh, you know where the real Christians come. <laughs> right? Let's wonder how second and third, third, third service is actually going to love that joke, right? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I, I, I'm a Christian. Yeah, no. <laughs> he told you I was different, right? <laughs> so when Aaron actually came to me and asked me to speak on Mother's Day, I, I thought to myself, you know, man, you've got to be a little bit crazy. Um, because if any of you have actually heard me speak before, I have a tendency to be what you would call uh, long-winded. You laugh. Um, I also have a great habit about being very uh, forward about the things of God. And this is my little disclaimer for the day. I'm just letting you know this now. So before we start, let's pray. Okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, as we have this time, this opportunity, and this place, Lord, that which you give us. Uh, to come before you and honor you on this day in which we honor our mothers. And, Father, as, as your word speaks out to us, Lord, uh, let us be open to that, Father. And, Lord, first of all and foremost, let us show how much we love you because it's all about you and it's always going to be about you. And even though we honor mothers on this day, it's through you that we do it, Father, and your love and your mercy, Father, and your grace. And we pray this in your holy son's name. Amen. So I started looking at what mothers should actually look like in a biblical sense. And, you know, throughout the Bible, from beginning to end, you get a sense that God actually has a specific role for, for moms. And those roles can be kind of really hard to fill. So the, the interesting thing is, is that even though sometimes we all fall short as mothers, fathers, whatever, we have God's grace to pick up where we left off. And you know, God expresses his love for us through Isaiah 49 and 15. It says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And have no compassion on that child that she has born. Though she may forget, I will never forget you. The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7 actually uses the image of a mother caring for her little children to remind the Thessalonians of his love for them as he built their church. We see the mother's responsibilities in Proverbs 1, 8, 6, 20, 30, 17, and really all of 31. As an adult, Jesus showed his concern for his own mom in John chapter 19, 26, and 27 about her welfare when he was to leave. So we see that God has made actually a specific role for moms about really what they should look like. I think we could find a really good idea what that looks like in Titus 2, 3, and 4. They should be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, sober-minded. They are to teach what is good. And let me tell you, if it's not about Jesus, it ain't any good. They're to teach young women so they love their husbands and their children. And, and really the way that Titus really wants us to understand this is it's done through example. And so I started thinking about what examples were to look like biblically for a mom. A mom needs to care like, like God. God cares. And our mom's prayer should be really similar to, to Christ's prayer for us. Moms, have to, moms, they don't show grace because they have to, but like God... They show grace because they want to. And so like in this very church, every morning for the past years now, I've come across moms who have had great concerns about their own children and great, great anguish sometimes about their own kids, about wayward children. God's grace is where it really all starts. His love is really where it all starts. You know, our moms have to, they have to deal with so much on a morning-to-morning basis, day-by-day basis. And I remember as a kid, my mom probably had to put up with my stupidity, 
my childish-like behavior, my friend's stupidity, ooh, their childlike behavior. I know sometimes there are some, my, some of my friend's moms, I might have said something, and they were just like, what? And they'd shake their head at me, and I know that look. I think all moms have that look. They're like, yeah, like what was that? Where did that come from? You know, and sometimes the things that, that we say, we just really must make them laugh. But, again, this kind of resembles how Christ and the disciples were. He would explain, like, the things of God about the kingdom of the Lord and the most deepest, most intimate things. They had him for three years to talk to. And, and really what it was is they would come right afterwards of hearing this nice, beautiful, gorgeous stuff that God has laid out for us. And they would say the dumbest thing ever. But that's us, right? But that's totally us. And, you know, like the disciples, we all have, we have growing pains. They see us, moms see us in our shortcomings. They see us throw fits. They see our cockiness. They see our pride. They see us bear false witness, and for some moms, that's really hard. They give us advice about the struggles of life and the temptations within it. And all of this actually resembles Christ in, in us. Moms go to God in prayer that their will be done, or that his will be done over, the, over their own. This is submission, like Jesus who intercedes for us. And sometimes when we realize as children that we've been wrong, we go to our mothers and apologize, and a mom forgives. Like, God forgives. So when I was thinking about all these perfect scriptures of, of what to come to, and really I could have made like a three-hour sermon, but don't worry, it's only half. <laughs> you laugh. Uh, <laughs> it's true. So I was actually led to Luke 22, 39 through 46. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip open to there now. And I've got to kind of set this up a little bit, because Jesus just got done having the Passover with his disciples where he talked about some of the greatest things. That, that This is their crescendo. They've been with him for three years. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him do all kinds of these different things. This dinner was their crescendo with him. And what, what we see there is he's talking to them about how to, how to serve humbly, washing their feet. We see him talk about the Lord's Supper, in which we still carry throughout this day. It's instituted on that night. We see him talk about his death. We see him talk about his resurrection. We see him talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit. We see him talk about the kingdom of God in, in great detail, what it would look like. And we see him talk about all these glorious, magnificent things, the things of our Father, the things of him. And then we see them go from like one of the greatest moments in their crescendo to one of the dumbest moments of their lives, when they have a conversation about who would be the greatest. Really? So we have 11 disciples now because Judas just took off. And one Jesus. And they're talking about who would be the greatest? Are you serious? You know, I can go to my seven-year-old daughter and be like, hey, babe, if it's between daddy and Jesus, who's the greatest? And my daughter was like, daddy, you're just not that cool. (laughs) You know what, babe? You're right. I'm really not. But God is. But God is. And we see after their folly, after he redirects them and he rebukes one of them about a rooster. And you can talk about that on your own time. We see the dumbest conversation in the world go to the greatest conversation in history between Jesus and God the Father. And they're talking about the future of wayward children. So in Luke 22, 39 and 46, it reads, And he came out, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down, praying, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours, yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. 
and he began, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and the sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. I want to go back and talk from the beginning of this. I want to break this down a little bit. In verse 39, we see the word custom, his custom. And this doesn't refer to a habit. This actually refers to a relationship. Jesus is actually showing us that God is not some far-off being that we have to do through some kind of religious repetition to reach. Or even better yet, that he's some kind of formula or some kind of known experience in which we can handle. No, he's better than that. He's God. But this custom is actually talking about Jesus' very nature, really similar to how a child, how a child comes to their mom in comfort or accomplishment or his nature. It's just secondary nature. He doesn't know that he's doing it. He just does it. It's who he is. And so what we see is Jesus is showing us that there's actually a relationship to be had. There's a relationship we can gain with our God and our Lord. This is where God actually becomes real and not, not a habit. Wow. Verse 40, we see that he says, pray, lest you enter into temptation. And what he's actually asking the disciples to do is to partner up with him. They partner up with him. And they fail him. They fail him. In today's culture, today's culture, we call this, call this Christianese. John Calvin actually calls it swallow friends, this part right here. Because swallows, they tend to be around during the spring and the summer, but once the storms are brewing, where are you with that? Once it starts to become winter, and the season's not pleasant for them, in today's culture, what we see is Facebook answers for people. People asking us, will you please play with us? My aunt is sick, or whatever the situation is. Sending prayers your way. Thinking good thoughts towards you. Really? What does that mean? Once I would like to see someone say, I will pray that God's will be done for you. And if you don't like what happens, I'm going to pray with you then too. That's what I want to see. That's what we're called to do. But instead, we falsify ourselves. And we falsify them when they ask us to partner up and we don't. Aaron told you I was different. Let's not do that. As a ministry... You can ask anybody who's been in ministry. You'll hear mothers pleading for partnership over their children. Pleading for partnership over their children. Will you pray for my child? I don't know what to do with this child. I'm at my wit's end with this child. I can't handle this child. I lost control of this child. Will you please save this child? Lord, will you teach me how to love so I can still love this child? This is our mother's cry. And Jesus asked the disciples to partner up with him. And they failed him. No, we failed him. But through all of this, we see the most beautiful thing. God's grace. Because he is sovereign over all these things. And his grace abounds in every way. In verse 41, let's go back and read it. And we withdrew from them about a stone's throw. Let me, let, let me tell you something for a second. The stone's throw is about 15 to 40 feet. It's about from me to Mikey. They would have been able to see everything in great detail. Hear everything he was saying. It's crisp, as, as you can hear me now. And we withdrew from them about a stone's throw. 
And he knelt down praying, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And we see Jesus take this posture of kneeling down, down. And today, our culture would take that as a sign of failure, a sign of shame, a sign of humility. But for us, as Christians, this is a sign of victory. Victory. And Christ, what he's doing is he's, he's going from agreement to submission. And you see him get down on his knees before God. And he's talking about something with his father. As is his custom. As is custom. And they're talking about what happened in Genesis 3 where the atonement of sins had to happen through innocent blood being shed. He knew this plan. He created this plan. But it's the Father's will to be done in this way. The Father's will to be done in this way. And so they're talking about this cup. This cup, what this cup means is it represents a wayward children. We're talking about the future of it all. God the Father and Jesus, the greatest conversation ever. And basically what he's saying, is there any other way? And God is saying, no, there's not. This is the only way. But the path is narrow. And he's not saying that for his own sake, but there's these men who are only 40, 15 feet away from him that would have been able to hear all of this. And it's for their sake it was done. And they're talking about this cup. And what is this cup? What is this cup? This cup? This cup is a cup of wrath. This cup is a cup of wrath. In Ezekiel, it talks about a cup of horror and desolation. In Isaiah 51, wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of God his cup of wrath. Jeremiah 25, from 15 to 38, read it on your own time, but I'm going to read the first two verses. This Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath and make all the nations in which I send to you drink it, and they shall drink it staggering and be crazed, for the sword of the Lord is at hand. Be crazed. This cup is a cup of wrath. Twenty different words from beginning to end. And over 600 times, it talks about God's wrath 400 times more than it talks about his love. You can't understand love without understanding his wrath. This is where it's going to get hard. Some of you, God is sick of you. Some of you, he can't stand who you are. He doesn't think you're cute. He doesn't think you're funny. He doesn't think your excuses hold any merit. Some of you, he's frustrated with you. And outside of Christ, outside of Christ, he hates you. He hates you. Don't tell me about that. I want to hear about the love of God. No, the, God, the love of God. No, the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Don't confuse your hacky sack Jesus with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No, but I want to hear about all hugs and muffins and lollipops and stuff. No, not today. It's Mother's Day. There's no better day. And so we see in Psalm 5, verse 4, For you are God who, delights in wick- who does not delight in wickedness. The evil may not dwell within you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak. The Lord aborts the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Psalm 7, 11, God is a righteous judge who feels indignation towards you every day. 
Psalm 11, 4 through 7. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked. And the one, and he hates someone who loves violence. And the rain of coals of wicked fire and sulfur shall be a scorching, a scorching portion of their cup. It says it. But here's the thing. This was designed for us. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to encourage you at this point. Because Christ, when he was on his knees before his father, in the sign of submission, in the sign of agreement, he was feeling the weight of the world upon him. Millions and millions of souls upon him. For grace, for glory, for you to sit here today and feel loved. And the only way we can have a grasping understanding of what it means to actually understand submission and agreement to submission is like through childbirth, right, ladies? Because I remember my wife. My wife, about eight years ago when she was pregnant with the twins, two big kids, my kids, you can believe it. And she comes to me with this fear of whitening, fear and anguish on her face. And she's like, Baby, and I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's going on? And I didn't know what was going on. I thought she might have broke her leg or something. And she goes, I, I realize that these, these kids, they're going to have to come out of me. <laughs> you see, she was in agreement with being pregnant. Right? Right, ladies? She was in agreement with actually being a mother. But she had to submit to the will of God how it would be done. What? Great example. Beautiful example. And so we see this concept between agreement to submission that God is taking. And he fell on the cross, the full wrath of God. He drank every single drop for you, every bitter single drop for you. And what happens is he's lying and he's sitting there before his God, before God the Father and Jesus having this conversation. He's in extreme duress. And Luke records it as great drops of blood falling to the ground. A medical condition that's so almost near impossible to get to. He's stressed, he's anguished, he's, he's feeling physically three years physically of ministry where he's, dis, he's destroyed his body physically. Mentally, all the weight of the world is upon him. He got there. It's late at night. He's praying. He can't sleep. He's talking about God, about something that's about to go down that he has no control over anymore. It has to be done this way. The disciples have failed him. What about you? What about you? Have you guys, have you guys ever been there at that spot? You get that call? They're sick. What? It's cancer. What? They're dying. No. No, I haven't had time yet. They're dead. Oh, please, God, no. You're fired. So many years. So many years. I don't want to see you anymore. I'm ashamed of you. What did, I, what did I do? I tried so hard. Will you marry me? No. Was it adultery? Yeah. Mom, Dad, I don't want to be a Christian. I want to go my own way. No, baby, not that. Anything but that, not that. God, please, anything but that, Lord. And we see this because Jesus got there. And why did he get there? Great drops of blood came from his hand, came from his body. And Jesus got there so that you would not be alone today. He justified us and adopted us. You see how great that is. And as all turned their back on him, he cried out for you so you would not be alone. It is finished on the cross. 
because he drank the whole cup. He finished it for you. And we see that we don't deserve it, but he gives us his grace anyways. His abounding love anyways. In Isaiah 66, 13, we see this love like a mother. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. In my own personal walk, I remember coming home one time and seeing a woman on her knees crying out to God, will you do something with this kid? I was violent. I was on drugs. I was drinking. I was gluttonous. I was promiscuous. I burned every single bridge I had and was looking more to burn so I could brag about it. I murdered everyone spiritually I met. Not just that. There was more. More than you could ever think of. Things that I, I was stealing from people. I took what I could. I was the devil. And she's on her knees crying about this child saying, Jesus, will you please pick this kid up and put his feet in truth? Please. And you know what? I resisted every single portion of what I had. But he, he had this plan. He had this plan. Don't overlook this day and what you've been given. Here at Element, we like to worship, right? And we're going to worship through giving. There's some boxes that are in the back. Don't make a habit out of this. Realize that it's a custom. And the band's going to actually come up here in a second. And we're going to worship God in that way. And there's going to be some elders in the back that want to pray with you. And, and maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're a kid who wants to give the best gift they could possibly give today to their mom by receiving the greatest gift they could possibly give him. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a parent who's just not that good at being one. And all you want is for someone to sit back there and partner up with you. Yeah, go ahead. I want to be back there too. I want to, talk, I want to pray with you. Please, please, don't, don't overlook this. And we're going to take communion like we do every single week, praise God. And we're going to take this cracker, which is a representation of Christ's body that was broken for you. Whipped, beaten, bruised, kicked, put on a cross, stapled there on a tree so that you can feel loved today. Don't overlook this. Don't make this a habit. And you're going to take that cracker and you're going to dip it in the wine of the grape juice that represents his blood that we just talked about, these great drops of blood starting right there on his knees before God. Don't overlook this. God made this for this reason so that you can remember who he was. I love you guys so much. And that's why I bring this message. Because I need... I know... The importance of it. As hard as it is. People aren't hearing it these days. And we, we need to remind people. And we need to hear it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we come before you, Father, as your children. Asking, Lord. Just, Lord, we love you. 
And we can't really come up with any words that express what you've done for us. We can't come up with anything to take away or add to what it is that you do because you are perfect in every way. Your salvation is perfect. Everything about you is perfect. But, Father, as we honor our mothers on this day, let us honor you within that. Lord, for you are great and glorious and deserve all glory. We thank you for our moms. We thank you for their patience and we thank you for their diligence. And we thank you for their grace, which is a lot like yours. And this we pray in your son's beautiful glory, King of King names. Amen.